Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. I would like to start by continuing a Crux tradition. For those of you who were at Crux Revival Camp last year, I was talking about this song by Southeastern University Worship, a.k.a. SEU Worship. Yep. And yeah. the singer goes into a spontaneous moment during the last song of the, of the album. And he tells everybody, hey, guys, I want you to know like, that we're pretty much done with the recording. It made it onto the album anyways because they liked it so much. right? But he said, hey, guys, I want you to know that we're done with the recording. It's the end of the night. They had a concert where they played all 12 songs all in one night, which is literally crazy. <laughs> and they did the recording for their album live. And so it was a really special album. You can hear the crowd as they're going on the journey with them. And he says, I want you to know right here at the very end for the very last tag of the very last song that whether your tank is empty or whether your tank is full, let's offer it to God because he wants it. And so right now, even as we're at the very end of the road for Crux Camp, like it was last year, I challenge you guys, whether your tank is empty or whether your tank is full, he wants it. So let's not hold back from Jesus. Let's continue to press in. Let's continue to go hard because whatever's left in my tank, Jesus Christ wants it. Jesus Christ has another breakthrough for you. And so I want to encourage you, give your tank to Jesus. Like the crowd in the song, press in for one more. Press in for one more and continue to be hungry for the breakthrough. So much so that it changes the schedule. I mean, that was not supposed to make the recording, right? And so... Today, I want to talk to you guys about being passionate and keeping your passion. Yes. How do we keep the passion that we had in this mountaintop experience and let it continue on and let it continue to grow? And so I have a lot of things to say about all this. There's a lot of points. There's a lot of theology surrounding being on fire for Christ and staying on fire for Christ. But if I could just say in one word what you have to do to maintain your passion, I would say hope. Mm. What you need to stay on fire is hope. And all you need is hope. Sometimes we just strive to make all these disciplines to follow the 12 steps to being a good Christian. And I do think there's benefit in some of those things or those programs. But really, you just need hope. And like my friend Steve Backlund, he's not really my friend, right? But my friend Steve Backlund says, he's a famous author. He says, there's no hopeless situations, only hopeless people. There's no hopeless situations. There's only hopeless people because God is the one, like it says uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that he's the one that provides a way out of the temptation Amen. in every moment. He's the one who provides a way out and a beacon of hope. Even the things that Satan actually engineers and means for our evil, God turns around and uses for good. So you only have two options. You either receive a good gift from heaven or you're in the process of God turning something around for your good. And so there truly are no hopeless situations. And today, as we're talking about hope, the key to being on fire for Christ, Andy Stanley, a guy who leads, you know, like a whole network of churches over in Texas. He's a good leadership guy. He defines hope as the joyful expectation of something good that will happen. Mm. It's a joyful expectation of something good that will happen. And so this is what we need in order to remain on fire for Christ. And I just want to start this sermon off by saying, I'm not having a joyful expectation of something that's going to happen one billion years from now. Wow. My joyful expectation is about something that's going to happen right here and right now. Yes. Many people talk about how Jesus Christ died for our sins so that we could have a place in heaven. And that's very true. 
But if we want to remain on fire for Christ here, we need to learn a little bit more about what it looks like to live this life, to live these next 70 years. And I think Jesus Christ died so that we could have freedom in this life. I think Jesus Christ died so that we could have hope for the next 70 years. And in heaven, I don't know how much of a joyful expectation I'll have for all the good that I already have access to. (laughs) There's nothing that I'm hoping for that I don't already have in fullness once I'm in heaven. So this is the only time here on the earth where I get to exercise and build the muscle of hope. So the hope of the cross, the hope of the gospel is about more than just eternal life. It's about what will my life look like from here? What will my life look like now? What's my life going to look like in the next five years? And so let's talk about hope and some of the reasons to have hope for this life. So I want to go to Romans chapter 8. We're going to read verse 22. I think it's the 24, man. There's just so many words. Okay, so I'm going to read it first in the New King James Version, and then we'll switch over to the Passion Translation. It says in the New King James, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors and birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? And so now I want to read it to you guys in the Passion Translation. So in verse 22 it says, To this day we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation. As if it were contractions of labor for childbirth. And it's not just creation. We who have also already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit also groan inwardly as we passionately long. And what's everybody groaning for? To experience our full status as God's sons and daughters. Including our physical bodies. Wait, our physical bodies? Being transformed. For this is the hope of our salvation. And so what I want to tell you guys right now is the hope of my salvation is not really just Jesus Christ. The hope of my salvation from scripture is actually this promise right here. It's the promise that I get to experience the status of being God's son. I get to experience the status of being God's daughter. And my physical body is the one that's going to be transformed. This is not some future promise that's happening in the atmosphere 75 years from now when we might be dead. This is something that's being transformed in our physical bodies right now. This is a status that we get to step into right now. And this is something that all of creation is groaning for. Come on. You know, this might be a little bit offensive, but when I used to go to a different church and I was in a more traditional setting, I, I used to go to church services and we would talk about blood moons. And there was a song that I loved. It was one of my favorite worship songs and nothing against this song. We made a spontaneous version of Maranatha where we would just pray and we would ask God, Jesus, come back quickly. And we would just yell Maranatha. And I remember praying late into the night yelling Maranatha, 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 which just means Lord, come quickly. And I remember expecting and hoping that Jesus Christ was going to take me out of my painful and my harsh situation and bring me into his presence in heaven. And the crazy thing is, the hope that Jesus bought and won for me is a hope that he wanted to give me right then and there. And if Maranatha happened and Jesus Christ came right now, there are literally billions of people around the earth who would not be in heaven. 
We are so far from what Revelation talks about the landscape will look like before Jesus Christ comes back. He even speaks about how the gospel will go to the far reaches into every single land that every nation, tongue, and tribe will have heard about the name of Jesus. That has not happened yet. And we're not even close. I mean, we're closer than we were 100 years ago. And there are awesome things happening in Nepal and all kinds of like places where there's unreached people groups. But man... The church is going to be in its most victorious moments right before the end comes. And the hope that Jesus has for us is a hope that was always meant to be for right now. And for our physical bodies being transformed even as we start to follow him. I don't need my physical body to be transformed in heaven. I don't need my physical body to be transformed after I die. I'm a spirit anyways, and my spirit's going to inhabit a new body in heaven. That's what the word says. The only time I need my physical body to be transformed is right here, right now. When I die to my sin nature and God gives me a new nature. When I die to my identity as a sinner and I live to my identity as God's son. And so I was sitting in a church service and I don't feel bad or any shame if you sat in one of those church services too, honestly. But I was sitting in a church service and I was yelling and crying out, Maranatha, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. And that was the song, that was the cry of my heart is that Jesus Christ would come back and the rapture would happen. But all of creation, every single rock, every single tree, every single piece of dirt, all of the wolves as they howled, they were all crying out for just one thing. All of creation was groaning as if it was about to give birth to something. And what was it groaning for? The unveiling of the sons of God. For the sons and the daughters of God to discover who they are and to step in the fullness of their identities where their physical bodies would even be transformed. Where God would give them a new heart. And so what I want you guys to know is that all of creation is longing and hoping for your destiny. And the reason that I have unction to continue to love Jesus every single day is not just because I know I'm going to go to heaven someday. What about the next 70 years of my life? Do I just live hopeless, hassled, and persecuted for 70 years and then I get to enjoy eternal pleasures with Jesus? No. Jesus died for me to have hope right now. And so I think sometimes like there's a goodness to this theology, right? And Jesus is coming back. He did die for our sins so we could go to heaven. But he died for our sins so that we could be sons and daughters right here on the earth. And that's what creation is groaning for. It doesn't say that creation is groaning for Jesus Christ to return to the earth. That's not what we're all travailing and praying for. We're praying for people to discover who they are. What will happen to the world when you discover who you are and walk into your destiny and you walk into your identity as a son of God, as a daughter of the king? And so this is the secret to remaining on fire for Christ. It's adjusting our expectation. It's beginning to see that I have hope for the next 25 years of my life, that God is going to do something amazing. And I want to turn your guys' attention to Isaiah 55 verse 11. This is literally one of my favorite verses. I was praying for someone today and I got this verse for them and I couldn't help but include it into my sermon as well. So we know that what gives us the passion to keep pursuing Jesus is that we have hope for this life and the moments that we get to spend with him in these next 70 years. And so in Isaiah 55, 11, we see that when the word of God goes out, when God speaks his word and it goes out from his mouth, it does not return to him void. It actually goes out and it accomplishes the fullness of the purpose that he intended to do. Say the fullness of the purpose. The fullness of the purpose. And so when God speaks any word about anything, none of his words fall to the ground. And every word that he speaks, it not only comes to pass in fullness, but it actually accomplishes all that he intended it to do. 
Well, I hope you guys are ready to kick because so am I. Because God spoke a word to create you. There was a word that came forth from heaven. Sometimes I like to think that it was a song when he created us, right? But he spoke something from his mouth to create what is your life. And the word that he spoke that created you, he will watch over that word. Wow. He will make sure that that word does not go into the ground. Good word, David. Some of y'all been thinking about being cremated, but anyways. <laughs> that word will not go down into the ground until God sees it to its fullness. Until he makes sure that it accomplishes all that he intended it to do. And so right now, what I want to say is that your life will not go into the ground. Your physical body is not going to go into the ground until Jesus Christ ensures that the fullness of what he has spoken over your life will come to pass. And then, I don't know about you, but it didn't sound like there was a lot of margin of error to me, right? <laughs> it didn't sound like, well, it's like, well, if you're faithful, then God will watch over his word, right? If you believe in him, if you have faith, you know, then he'll watch over his word and make sure that it accomplishes all. No, if he spoke you into being, then he will make sure your being accomplishes all. Yeah. And it's actually his responsibility to ensure that that word does not just go into the ground. And so you will not fail, not by virtue of your ability to, you know, hold on to Jesus. But what I like to tell people is from the book of Jude, there's not really chapters, dude. So it's just Jude 23, right? It's just the 23rd verse. It talks about how Jude is he's praising God. And he's saying, God, I look to you, the one who's able to keep me from stumbling. And I think of Jesus as the God, not just who forgives my sin, but who's able to hold me and to keep me from stumbling better and greater yeah. Then I'm able to even stumble. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Powerful. <laughs> that the God who loves me, he's able to hold me and keep me greater than I'm able to stumble. Come on. Dude. And so some of you, you just, think, you just think you might mess it up. I might just jack up my life and ruin my friendships and my relationships. But I didn't necessarily put my faith in you to oversee that. I put my faith in Jesus Christ to keep you from stumbling. I put my faith in Jesus Christ to watch over the word that he's spoken over your life. And I believe you're going to write those songs. I believe you're going to minister to those people. I believe you're going to write those movie scripts. Because God has spoken something and he will watch over his word. He is going to make sure that it grows and it matures to its fullness. And so this is how you remain on fire for Christ. Is you develop a vision for your life and it gives you hope. Because hope is raw motivation. If you have something to look forward to, if you have that eager expectation of something good that will happen, then you will not give up because you want to see the good thing happen. If my eager expectation is only that when I die, I'll see Jesus, I might really start looking forward to dying. And I got to tell you, that's not the cry of the Father's heart for you. That's not the cry of all creation and every single cat in the world, right? It's not what they're crying out for. They're crying out for the sons and the daughters of God to discover who they are and walk into their calling. And there is a restoration that will come to the physical world into the animal kingdom when the sons and daughters of God step into their identities, right? Because Lord knows right now we could be slightly better stewards <laughs> of this world, right? And so... This is what creation is singing. They are singing a song and they are expecting that the sons of God will be revealed. This is what heaven is singing. All the angels are waiting with expectation. When will you discover that you are a daughter? When will you discover how valuable you are? When are you going to start believing that you're loved? Come on. 
And sometimes I'm stuck in some church service singing, Lord, come quickly. (laughs) Save me from my dark situation and the depression that I'm struggling with. And God comes into that situation. He says, I have more for you. He doesn't even take my depression away. I mean, for some of you, praise God if he did, right? But, you know, he doesn't even take my depression away. He looks at me and he says, I have more for you than this. And that is why I have hope. That is why I keep running after Jesus with all of my heart. Because I have hope for what the rest of my life will look like. Yeah. It's not just heaven. Even when Paul was talking about it, he said to live is Christ and to die is gain. Or was it opposite? I don't remember. But it was one or the other, right? I think it was to live is Christ. But anyways, I think we have to get to a place where... I think we have to get to a place where we start to understand what it means that to live is Christ. Paul wasn't just trying to say that if you kill me or if you don't, I win either way because I get to go to heaven eventually or I get to go to heaven once I die. He was talking about the fullness and the awesomeness and the hope and the calling that God had for his physical life here on the earth. That to live here on the earth was to walk out the calling of Christ, but that to die was to gain, you know, a greater relationship and intimacy with Christ because he would be right there face to face with him. And Paul was hard pressed between choosing between the two, not that he actually wanted to die, but that he just wanted to see Jesus more. Right. And I I don't think we literally have to die to see the face of Jesus. There's many people that looked upon the face of Jesus in the New Testament and they are so not dead. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so I think even what transforms us in first Corinthians chapter three, actually just kidding. It's second Corinthians chapter three. Even what transforms us is actually looking at Jesus face to face. And so for the New Testament believer, Looking at Jesus face to face is something that we can live for here on the earth. And so I don't want to become over fantasized with the idea of dying and believing that one day I'm just going to become a martyr. I'm just going to do this in this foreign nation because I believe that there is a destiny and there is a calling that God has for me. And there is no one on this earth who can take you out before that destiny. Come on. Come on, David. And so this is why you don't have to be afraid of death. And I'll be honest, I recently almost drowned and stuff like that. I was at the beach. I don't know if I was in any real danger because there was a lifeguard pretty close. But like I literally couldn't swim anymore and I couldn't breathe and I swallowed a lot of water and I went under. And the lifeguard just pulled me out, right? But I'll be honest with y'all. You know, I was afraid of dying in that moment. But like here when I'm like preaching the sermon, I'm like, yeah, dude, like no one can take you out. So like don't be afraid, you know? And so <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's really hard when you're there. But I got to tell you, like... I, I, can, I could have known that God would have that lifeguard there to save my life. Not only is it like, dude, lifeguards are just on duty, you know what I'm saying? But it's also like, you know, God is going to watch over my life. He's going to protect my physical safety, right? And so I was afraid I had the natural human impulse, which is not something I'm going to get over, right? But I had the natural human impulse that I was going to die, and I was afraid of it. And that is part of the way that you know that you're normal, that you know you have a value for your life. And so I don't think we should be able to get close to these near-death situations and just feel this like extreme confidence. I don't think that's what it felt like for the Apostle Paul. I'm sure it was not a pleasant experience getting rocks thrown at you and really thinking he was going to die, right? You know, but there was a greater hope inside of him where he's like, I know that I'm not going to die before the church in Ephesus gets planted, right? I know I'm not going to die before I do this, this, and this. And so like as he's experiencing the pain of the persecution, he knows in his heart that there's a greater calling on my life. And I think that's the bigger reason why Paul doesn't quit. He doesn't work so hard in this life just because he's going to heaven. He works so hard in this life because he has the presence of God right here, right now. Because he has hope for his life right here, right now. 
I mean, Bobby Connor kind of says jokingly that if really, um, <laughs> that if the fivefold ministry was no longer around and there was no apostles, all we'd really need was someone to get people saved and then an assassin to just shoot them right dead so that they could go straight to heaven. Doesn't give them any time to fall away. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But there's actually a purpose that God has for our physical lives right here and right now. And the fivefold ministry is actually here on the earth to raise people up and to help them discover who they are. And so there's more callings in the church than just assassin and evangelist because God is concerned with how we live our physical lives right here and right now. It is not God's desire that all of his children would be here in heaven with him right here, right now. It is not. God's desire is actually for you to be right here, right now in this moment on this earth to bring him glory, to connect with people and to change this world forever. It is not God's will for you to be dead right now. Is everyone going to get struck? You know what I mean? This guy's like, no, it is. It's like, anyways, so. All right. All right. So that's, that's really what I want to run after today with you guys and just like really go after the lie that I think in the church we've started to have this fantasizing about that Jesus is just going to take me out of these hard situations. But you were born and you were created to be in the hard situations. Woo! You were born and you were created to bring change to that political atmosphere. You were born and you were created to bring light to the darkness, right? And light never retreats from darkness. Darkness only retreats from light. Come on. You know, and it doesn't matter how dark the darkness gets. I don't even know what that means when people talk about how the world is getting darker. If the light is getting brighter, then the darkness is retreating, right? There's, the darkness can't increase. Darkness isn't a force. It's like an absence. It's a vacuum. It's something that's running from the light, right? I can't make a room darker. I can just take away the light, right? And so if our lights are running away and we're scared and we just think, oh man, the darkness is getting darker. The world is getting harder, all this stuff like that. It's like, dude, what does that even mean? If the light of Jesus Christ is shining brighter i don't care what my culture looks like there is more light on this earth right now than there's ever been the gospel has gone further to the reaches of the earth than it's ever been we have done so much more than jesus christ did on the earth we have done so much more than the apostles did and it's not a comparison thing we're building on their foundation but people don't realize this is the biggest the church has ever been in human history yeah And we're afraid of, like, the laws that are happening in our region. We're afraid of, like, the perversion that's happening in our cultures. As if that darkness could encroach upon the light that Jesus has inside of us. And so this is why I'm passionate for Jesus. This is why I'm on fire for Christ. It's not because of the verses in Revelation that talk about if you're, you know, if you're hot or cold... If you're lukewarm, he's going to vomit you right out of his mouth, right? He'd rather you be hot or cold. I don't live in this like fear that if I'm not passionate for Jesus, if I don't keep my fire, that something horrible is going to happen to me, right? I keep my fire because I have hope. I continue to read the Bible. I continue to worship because I have hope for what the rest of my life looks like. I have hope for what God can do through my life. And I know that it's going to come to pass. Despite my best efforts, it's always come to pass. He's always pushed me closer to my destiny. Even when I tried to end it all, I just couldn't even do it. You know, (laughs) so anyways, um, God is is writing a storyline and we all get to be a part of it. And so I don't I don't want us to start to think that it's all about our story. It's all about you discovering who you are, because really we're just fitting in God's storyline. And as you begin to discover who you are, you begin to discover how you fit into a body. 
where each person plays a part and how you fit into the greater storyline of what God is doing on all of the earth, right? And so that's why I think it's so paramount that we have a right estimation of what God is doing through our lives. Do you really see that Jesus Christ sacrificed so that you could live? He didn't just sacrifice so that you could die and go to heaven. He sacrificed so that you could really live. And so even when we look at other people, I I think we're not preaching a gospel of fire insurance. We're not preaching a gospel of like, you just get to go to heaven, right? We're preaching a gospel of Jesus is going to release hope in your life right now. And part of the reason my hope in heaven is so strong is not because the presence of God is here. It's because the decisions and the hope that I build right now is so strong that it echoes into my eternal life. I'm not going to forget everything I learned about the Bible when I go to heaven. I'm not going to forget all the prophetic words that Jesus Christ has spoken to me when I see him face to face in heaven. I'm not just going to like lose my mind and like don't even remember what it was like to be David Knox, right? I'm going to look at Jesus face to face and remember every moment that we shared together. And there are some moments that are precious. There are some moments, like I talked about, like hope that aren't as relevant in heaven that we're not going to have any of those in heaven. There's not going to be any like need for patience <laughs> in heaven. There's not going to be any need for faithfulness. God's going to be right there, right in front of me all the time. But right here, right now, I get to worship God when I cannot see him. I get to worship God when it's hard. When I'm literally tired and I don't want to do it, I get to give him a sacrifice. I'm not going to be able to do that sacrifice in heaven. And so my only memory for my billion-year eternal life of sacrificing for God, of living a life of faithfulness is going to be right here, right now. Mm. How I live right here, right now. Mm. And that's one of the main reasons I read the Bible. I don't just read the Bible scholastically to get to know God. I don't read the Bible just to connect with Jesus. Part of the reason I read the Bible is because this is the only time I get to experience something like this. Mm. That I get to offer God the faithfulness of saying, I don't understand it all, but I'm going to choose to trust you anyways. I'm not sure what the plan is, but I'm going to go with you anyways, right? And when I'm in heaven, it's not going to be as important what the plan is anymore, right? You know, I might still very well be a part of it. I don't think the angels are doing nothing. If y'all think we're just going to be playing harps, Jesus has work for us to do in heaven, right? (laughs) You know, but... What I do want to say is that it is God's will for you to be alive right now. It is God's will for you to have hope for your life. And all of creation is crying out for that one thing. It is not crying out for Jesus to come and restore it. It is crying out for you to discover your identity, for you to discover your worth, and for you to walk into the transformation that God has for your body. And so I think this is one of the reasons why it's so important to continually keep our eyes on Jesus. Because like I said, this is the only time that we get to have this experience of keeping our eyes on him when he's distanced, of keeping our eyes on him when we don't feel like it. And so how do you remain passionate for Jesus? You cultivate hope. How do you cultivate hope? You shift your perspective. You come into alignment with God's perspective of your life. That it is of such critical importance that you pray for those people. It is of such critical importance that you minister to your friends, that you listen to your prayer requests and you meet those needs because that is the calling for your life. And sometimes that calling might even be greater than our calling to worship God, where God's like, I know that I could be with you and we could just do nothing but spend time together, but I have more for you than even just that. Because we need that. We need that fellowship. We need that communion. I can't just have fellowship with Jesus and let that be enough. When Adam was in the garden with God, 
he had perfect relationship with God. That dude didn't even have any sin. Do you know that? He didn't even have any sin. There was nothing blocking him between loving relationship with God. There was no barriers. There was no shame. There was none of that. And God looked at Adam and he said, something's wrong with that, man. That's just not good. (laughs) That's not good enough. And I have better for you because Adam didn't have fellowship with other members that were distinct from him. He wasn't part of a body where he could fellowship with somebody else who was similar to him. And this is not like Adam just needed a wife. This is like Adam needed community. This is like Adam needed other people in his life who were like him, but were distinct and different. And so that's why God looked at it and he thought something was wrong because God was always a God of community. He was always a God of family. And Adam didn't have a family. And his father was not like him. Adam was something completely different. He was the fusion of the created and the dust and the eternal of the spirit and of the physical. And he's the only one like him until God, you know, made Eve. And then he's like, I guess I'm done with creation because that's good enough. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. (laughs) But it's the only thing in the whole world. Sorry, animals, but it's the only thing in the whole world that is actually God's breath something spiritual with something physical ephesians 2 6 it says and jesus raised us up together and made us sit together with him in heavenly places with christ jesus and if we really read through the whole chapter and stuff like that we would realize that he's talking about our present circumstance that jesus has redeemed us again this is not some promise that we just put out like 30 billion years in the future where we don't have to deal with the practical implications as the church because it's something that was meant for like some distant time in heaven and i find that's what what the temptation or what the demonic idea is to do with many of the promises of God of let's just take that really good thing that Jesus has for you and let's put it somewhere in a zone where you can't access it in a place that's impractical to you, something that you're not going to deal with in your present future. Let's just talk about that verse or that promise later. That's really for us when we're in heaven, right? Well, you're in heaven right now. So you better start looking at (laughs) So you better start asking God, God, what does this Bible verse actually mean? And how does it help me have hope for my life? And so I don't even need to wait to go to heaven if I'm there right now. I don't need to die to see God face to face. And so what am I really hoping for? I'm hoping that the fullness of God's calling is actualized in my life and that I get to step into his eternal life after I fulfill it. It's not enough for me to just be with Jesus in heaven right now. Just like it wasn't enough for Adam to just live a life that was sinless. God wanted more for him and he wanted to connect with him on a deeper level. It was important for Adam to have an earthly experience and a heavenly experience. Wow. And so it's important for us too. So don't discount the value of your time here on the earth and the time you get to spend with Jesus now. These are memories that are going to be crystallized that you will remember for the rest of your life. Wow. I'm never going to forget those prophetic words. Just in case, right? You, most of the time you write them down, right? So a lot of them are in my phone just in case I do forget, right? <laughs> you know, so I, I really recommend you write it down too. And as I'm starting to close here, I just really wanted to just go after one point today that everything comes back to hope. That if we're going to continue to remain passionate, we're going to continue to pursue Jesus. We have to start to develop a picture and a hope for what our life looks like. And I'm sorry that today is not the practical workshop of leadership that tells you how to discover what your purpose and your calling looks like. Right. We'll have to have that practical workshop some other day. But what I want to get you excited about is start asking questions. Start asking God like 
what is my existence on this earth about? Yeah. It's not just about worshiping Jesus, right? It's more than that for Adam. He was even supposed to tend the garden. Like, what does that even do? There's no one else around. Like, why was he tending the garden? It was so important to God that he tended the garden and he worshiped God. Wow. It was so important to him that he named the animals and he worshiped God, right? There was work for Adam to do at all moments. That dude was not unemployed. You know what I'm saying? There was work for him to do at all moments. And it was so God. And so as we're starting to close, I just really wanted to say that hope comes from knowing what your life is about, comes from having a picture for your life and continue to get hungry, continue to press after God and say, God, what does it look like for me to walk into and to discover my identity? And even for me, the first step was to start repenting and because I've been praying for God to come back and I've been praying even for my own death and crazy stuff like that, which I know y'all maybe probably weren't doing that. So that's good, right? You're doing better than you think because you weren't praying to die, <laughs> right? And so... <laughs> Sometimes it just takes a repentance, which is a changing of our mindset that God, I have fallen so far short of your thoughts for my life. I have fallen so far short of the hope that you had planned for my life. Do you understand the raw hope, motivation, and energy that Jesus Christ sees when he looks at you and the life that you're living here on the earth? There is an expectation of good that will happen for Jesus. And the connection that he shares with you will mature as you walk in your calling more. The fellowship that you have with him will mature as you walk in your calling more. And so it's not enough for me to just keep pursuing after worship and learning better tactics for worship and learning more about who God is, right? It's not enough. I have to actually go to work. I have to actually live out my purpose. I have to actually do all of these things. And that's one of the things that unlocks my breakthrough. There is a cap on how much I can grow without community. There is a cap on how much I can grow without pursuing my calling and my destiny. You know, I can learn a lot of things about Jesus, but I'm eventually going to get capped. I'm like, God, why can't I hear you? It's like, are you pursuing your destiny? <laughs> like, you might want to try that. Are you pursuing community? You might want to try that. Are you discipling anyone right now? You might want to try that. God hit me with one of those, right? It's just like, God, why can't I hear you? I've been reading the Bible. I've actually read the Bible more than six times. What's going on? And God's like, are you discipling anybody? And I'm like, no. I mean, like, I don't need to disciple anybody. And then he just like really convicted me. Like, if you want to grow and learn more about me, you're going to have to learn from the people that you're training. And I, there, is, there, is a, there is a truth that God has. I don't have time to go into this right now, but in the Song of Songs, there's this metaphor where the bride is called into the walnut, walnut grove. You're like, why do walnuts matter? Walnuts are really important, man. And so the bride is called into the walnut grove. And it's this picture of she cannot find her lover. She cannot find Jesus until she's willing to go to the walnut grove with the young vines. And that's a picture of her starting to disciple other people, starting to pour into other people. And so she literally cannot find the presence of God. She cannot connect with her maker until she starts to spend time with the ones who don't know him and the ones that she gets to train, right? And so if you're ever like wondering like, what do I do in this season of my life? If you read Song of Songs, you'll probably find all the seasons of your life in there, right? And so for some of us, the season that God's calling us into is diving deep with community. I think that was a big theme for tonight. But as we're diving deep in community, I want you to know that each and every one of you plays a role in this community. That's why I wanted to end with this sermon because I wanted you to be thoroughly convinced of the value that you bring and the destiny that you have. It's not enough for you to just be one of my friends in this community i will do everything in my power maybe not everything but i'll you know i'll do some stuff right <laughs> you know i will help you guys and make sure that you get to your destinies i will pray over those destinies 
And it's not enough for me to just be friends and to just hang out. I think we all need to push each other further. Not just further in knowing Jesus, but further and closer to our destinies. Further and closer to who God created us to be. Right? You know, I can go to seminary to learn more about Jesus and stuff like that. But it's only in community that I'm going to find parts of my destiny. And so I think it's so important that we start to have a mindset that is eternal. We start to have a perspective that says, I matter and I have a destiny. I'm not just a friend in the community. I'm not just a hiking buddy over here. I'm somebody that's going to change the world. I'm a son and a daughter of God. And you are a son and a daughter of God. You are his son and you have a purpose and you have a destiny. And that's one of the things that makes this community so meaningful. Do you know that there are times that I've had opportunities to go to really awesome events or have qualified for these tournaments and I haven't gone because my friends weren't going to be there with me? I mean, what is the victory really worth if you can't celebrate with people? And so this is why I wanted to end a, like a time, a weekend where we focus on community with speaking about your destiny, with speaking about hope for your physical life, because where you fit in this community is tied to your destiny. And if you don't know anything about your destiny and you're not walking towards it, you'll start to believe the lie that you're not bringing value to our family. And I'm not going to stand for that. Wow. I'm not going to stand for you believing that you don't bring something to this community because each and every one of you does. That's right. And I want you to be convinced of that hope. Like I said, even the wolves, even creation, they're all crying out for one thing. It's not for Jesus Christ to be revealed on the earth. It's not for the glory of God to come down. It's not for Jesus Christ to return. It's for the sons of God to be revealed. It's for their physical bodies and for their hardships, for all that to be removed. And creation knows it will experience redemption when the sons of God walk into the fullness of who they were called to be. And that's what it's crying out for. And I want to sing the song that heaven is singing. I want to sing the song that the wolves are singing. I want to sing the song along with them. I'm not going to be caught singing Maranatha when all of heaven is singing for the sons and daughters to discover who they are. For the people to discover their worth and their value. And maybe there might come a day where I'm going to sing Maranatha. Maybe there might come a day for all that. But right here, right now, there are people that need to know who they are. There are people that need to know that they are sons and daughters. And that Jesus Christ died for you to have hope in this life. Not just in the next life. I know I'm going to be reunited with loved ones and all of that, but my hope is for right now. Yes. My hope in Jesus Christ is something that is in this present age. And I think each and every disciple had a vision for their life. They had a vision of what God was doing in their life. And they weren't all just looking forward to some day where they were going to die. Mm. Especially because they're going to be martyred. I mean, who looks forward to that, right? I mean, there's something unhealthy <laughs> about this like obsession that people have. And sometimes they're like, you know, I'm just okay with like dying. And like laying down my life. And I'm like, dude, I get that. But they understand that there's a sacrifice. They understand and they're willing to lay down because that's what God's spoken to them about. You know, if God speaks to me, this is something that I'm supposed to do, then great. But if I'm like fantasizing about doing something that God hasn't even called me to do, what's the deal with that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like I was even talking to Joel about, you know, like wearing his wristbands a little bit earlier today. You know, the, the things that help with... Um, the issue that he's having with his wrist, right? And he was just kind of like, I prayed to God and he kind of told me that I should wear them today, you know? And like, who am I to say anything different to him than that, right? And so if he was like fantasizing about not wearing them or just thinking like, I'm, I'm not in faith because I, you know, am still wearing them or something like that, he would have totally missed it if he asked God and he didn't listen to the voice of God, you know what I mean? And so it's not worth him to go through this experience and punish himself and get all these ideas of what could or couldn't happen if he did or didn't wear them. As That's soon as good. God speaks to him that he's supposed to not wear them, he's supposed to do it, then he just needs to move and do it, right? And so that's how it was for the disciples. When they were about 
about to be martyred. They're, like Stephen knew. Like he knew that this was his last moment because God had spoken to him and God was speaking to him right then and there. Stephen wasn't looking forward to this is how I die, right? Yeah. And I think he had a peace of knowing that what he was supposed to accomplish on the earth had already been done. And I think for each and every single person in this room, I can say with full confidence that your destiny has not been fulfilled. Amen. That God has more for you to do. Amen. And no one is dying on the way down from this mountain, right? We're all going to make it home and we're all going to continue to be a family. Like y'all can pray for traveling mercies and all that stuff. I don't want to sound overconfident, but I have a faith in God that is deeper than all of that. We can pray over our car rides, but I know that God is going to protect your life. I know that he's going to watch over the word that he He's spoken because he's the one who's responsible to see ah, it to its fullness. Ah. And so I just want to pray. And then we're Dominic's going to help shift us. And so, God, we just thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. God, we just repent for the ways in which we have not had enough hope for our own physical lives. Jesus, we believe that you set us free for freedom, that we could walk in freedom. What the heck does walking in freedom look like in heaven? I think Galatians 5.1 is for now. It's in a, in a moment of bondage in, in the life where you're living as a slave that you get to live free. And I want to actually live enough years to experience what that looks like, what freedom looks like in the world of slavery. Yes. I don't want to just be free in heaven. So, God, we just repent for the ways in which we have not had value for our lives, in which we have not pursued our destinies. And I just believe it's not too late for any of our dreams. It's not too late for any of the callings that you have for our lives. And, God, we just thank you. We look to you as the one who will protect our physical lives, who will watch over us to make sure that we accomplish all that you intend us to do. And Jesus, I just pray for a supernatural dose of hope that you would give to each and every one right now. Whether it's a picture of what their future looks like or a perspective shift, I just pray for hope to come down from heaven and fill their hearts with a joyful expectation for the good that will happen in their lives. And I just thank you for the hope that you are giving them. Because Jesus, the hope that you gave them is not some promise that's way out in the distance that we can't access. But the hope that Jesus gave you was always meant to transform you right here, right now. The gospel was always preached as right here, right now. It's not do something right now so you can get something way in then. It's do something right now because Jesus is the God of the now. Because Jesus is here to transform your now. And if you walk in transformation right now, it'll echo so much that it'll transform your whole eternity. If you believe in Jesus right now, your choices on this earth are so powerful because of Jesus' sacrifice that you will get to go to heaven because of that faith. But Jesus always wanted you to be transformed on the earth. Jesus always died so that you could be a new creation. Who needs to be a new creation in heaven? Jesus died for you to be a new creation on the earth. A new creation right here and right now. He took out your heart of stone right now and gave you a new heart of flesh. Right here, right now. I'm not getting a new heart in heaven. I have my new heart right now. Maybe I'll get some new body in there that has a heart or something. Right? But the heart that I was promised from Ezekiel is the heart that I have right now. The Jesus that was promised is not some Jesus that I get way in the future. It's the Jesus that I have right now. And we just thank you, God, for that hope in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsanmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.